The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool 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 Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny off-brand upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker. I'm a comedian. And Mark, I really dig shopping at Aldi. I honestly didn't realize how bad inflation was until I went to another supermarket. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> everything's so expensive. We're not sponsored by Aldi. I just love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great it's a great store. I, pre- I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, Mark Kendall. I'm an Atlanta comedian. And, you know, I'm okay with admitting publicly that, you know, I'm pretty good at making potato-based dishes. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You want some hash browns? You want a you baked potato? I know they're very simple, but they're tasty. That sounds delicious. Yeah. No, I agree. I made some the other day, and I'm like, you know, I can do this okay. I can do this okay. <laughs> Uh, So, y'all, we're very excited because today is a deep dive episode where we'll be talking with the amazing CEO of Fair Count, uh, Rebecca DeHart. Rebecca has uh, more than 20 years of political and advocacy experience in Georgia and around the nation. Uh, Previously, she was the executive director of the Democratic Party of Georgia, where she was widely credited for her role in rebuilding the party from a struggling two-employee organization to a place of strength. Uh, Y'all, we are so excited to have Rebecca here with us today. Yay! Thank you so much for coming, Rebecca. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I also like Aldi's and potatoes. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good. awesome. Oh, we're already off nice. to a great two for start. two. Two for two. Yeah. So, Rebecca, a segment we like to do whenever we have a guest on is uh, uh, we start off with a segment called Giving You Your Flowers. And that's where we'll just give you some compliments. And, um, Rebecca, it, we were lucky enough to work with you and your amazing team on a couple of videos. And we just love talking to you. It was you're such a kind, vibrant presence. And even on Zoom, I mean, it's the first time we're meeting in person right now, um, so I get to experience it full on. But uh, what you, the work you do is so important and so cool, and your attitude and your demeanor uh, makes it, I can see why you're such a great leader. And 
you know, appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Those are great flowers. Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to add to that. So, uh, Rebecca, working with you, something that I really appreciate about you is your uh, your honesty. You know, so, you know, we'd be talking about uh, issues with voting and elections and your ability to, you know, just say honestly, like what things were the state of things without, you know, me feeling down about it, I feel like is a really great skill, you know, because it's just like, okay, this is what we're up against. This is what we're dealing with. And it's not being sugarcoated. I, I'm aware of what um, is is going around. And, and I just really appreciate that. So thank you. Thank you. I loved working with y'all too. And your rendition of Bob Ross explaining <laughs> redistricting as happy little gerrymanders is bar none the best redistricting video that's ever been made in oh, the history of the United States. <laughs> I really appreciate that. It was so fun to work on. Bill and I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Shout out to Emily Pietro, who did the amazing uh, drawings and, uh, uh, you know, all the other folks that helped us with that. Yeah. Emily, you're awesome. Yeah. Um, Well, first off, we'll go into our ridiculous news nibbles. Mm -hmm. Um, So we pulled uh, some quick stories that are sent around uh, elections and voting. First off, we have an exclusive, Mark. We don't do this that often. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, it's it's such a big deal to have you on that we wanted to play an exclusive, never heard anywhere else call. Now, as y'all remember, Trump had a call with Brad Raffensperger, sounding like a scene straight out of Goodfellas, where he demanded he find 11,780 votes. It was super intense. Um, and for those around the United States, you might know about it, even though it was just here in Georgia. Well, it turns out that wasn't the only call Trump made at that time. Oh, uh, and this is a Ridiculous News exclusive. We have another call that we want to share just to get your feedback on it and see what you think. Uh, Tari, do you mind and go ahead and roll tape on that call? We have won this election in Georgia based on all of this. And there's, there's nothing wrong with, with saying that. You've got the wrong number. This cookie monster <laughs> also Cookie Monster cannot find votes that do not exist. Om nom 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 nom. I found the cookies though. The people of Georgia are angry. The people of the country are angry. Cookie Monster also very angry. Om nom 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 nom. Sorry, eating cookies now. Have they moved the inner parts of the machines and replaced them with other parts? It's very difficult to bake chocolate chip cookie and then remove in a chocolate chip and then replace them with votes for Biden without anyone knowing. So again, that's a big no from Cookie Monster. Om nom 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 nom. You should want to have an accurate election. You should concede. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. So, uh, you know, you heard it here first. Pretty wild exclusive there, Bill. I don't know how you found that. Well, I, we have great researchers. <laughs> we have a wonderful producer and Tari. They were on top of it, searching hard, uh, helping us with that. But I, I thought, you know, it, it, the the depth that he went to try and overturn was pretty deep. Yeah, I mean, I think the Muppets are an American truth. So we should always look at Cookie Monster first. Um, actually, a little sad to hear them mashed up together, honestly. <laughs> That's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> Cookie Monster is always about his truth, mm-hmm. and he will continue to be about his truth forever. Um, you know, so beyond, you know, that one horrible incident with the call, uh, you know, we've also had laws passed here in Georgia. Again, we know this is a, a nationwide podcast, but as y'all listeners know, Georgia's kind of been a center for a lot of this, and a lot of these different laws are very 
similar to what are going on here in Georgia. And I believe the bill was SB 202. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have just some of the uh, highlights of what that does and, and just wanted to kind of hear from you. I know it's not the most uh, uplifting topic, but it's super important about what this law does and some of the things that we could do to counteract that. Mm-hmm. Um, so going through these different measures, including it cuts the time period voters have to request absentee ballots and imposes new identification requirements. It makes it easier for state officials to take over local election boards, limits the use of ballot drop boxes, uh, allows challenges to voting eligibility, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, I don't want to dive too big, but just want to get your gut reactions to some of these things um, and the impact that they're having. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tragic that SB 202 passed in 2001. And if I can, I got to say, Fair Count is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. Mm-hmm. So when we are out there working in elections, we're really working for like an equitable electorate. Mm-hmm. And what was so exciting about that little known Senate runoff race we had in Georgia you know, when the whole world was focused on our state, is that we had one of the most equitable electorates we've ever seen. We actually decreased black vote share gap by 0.7 percent. Outstanding turnout from young voters, API voters, Latinx voters, black voters, rural voters. It was really like almost the truest reflection of Georgia. And so the response to that was to introduce this bill, SB 202, to make it even harder to vote. And everything you said about it is, is absolutely right. Um, You know, a lot of us feel like that it was an absolutely nefarious attempt to keep communities of color, young people, others who are most impacted by voter suppression measures um, from voting in the future. And and we've already seen that. Well, let me say we're seeing amazing turnout right now. And I don't want to let go of that fact because there is a lot to look forward to in Georgia. But we've seen an and just a plummeting of absentee um, ballot mm-hmm. use. And and vote by mail is something that's been getting, like, kind of sexy in Georgia, cycle after cycle. And so these, these laws have real impacts on the way that people access their votes. Um, and Georgia was like the, the canary in the coal mine. Mm-hmm. You know, we were the first one to do it again after having done it before. Um, and 19 states, I think, now have passed some version of making it harder to vote rather than making it easier to vote. That shouldn't be. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's really terrifying, especially when you consider the margins of these votes and the way that these elections are being decided, how close it is. Um, You know, what, can you talk a little bit about more about what you're doing and what we can do to kind of help counteract some of that stuff? Yeah, I love what we're doing at Fair Count. So I have a background in in electoral politics, and they're all doing their thing, too. Um, You know, so there's a lot of different entities at work in Georgia. But one thing that we're doing here at Fair Count is we work um, with the same sort of universe of people, about 1.3 million people, um, pretty much black, Latinx, native communities in rural areas in Georgia who have been historically left out, ignored, or had the franchise downright stolen from them. Um, you know, over over history. And we see a less vibrant democracy because we don't hear everyone's voices participate. So we started with the census. We worked in redistricting, like those amazing videos that we made together. We did the general election, the runoff election. We've done COVID recovery work. And now we're really, um, really expanding our organizing program in those 143 rural counties. Um, and, and having those deep dive conversations, not just telling people to vote, 
talking about voting, Mm. talking about what it means, building relationships, like building that power long term. Because on November 9th, when the election is over, we're not going anywhere. Our organizers are still going to be there, still building power, still working with communities that have been left out for too long. So right now, we're just really focused on voting and in a program we call Vote 365. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, I think for me, being a voter and voting just helps me to be less stressed because I know I'm doing my part. And also, you know, Mark and I have been lucky enough to work with you and organizations to help encourage voting. And that helps a lot, too. And so I think anyone who's feeling any sort of sense of um, despair, voting is a great way to help attack that. That's one of those little things that can just make your day a little bit better or a lot better, honestly. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's like a group effort, too. You know, it's like it's a group effort in terms of like reminding folks to vote, plans to vote, or, you know, if someone's in your area and the same ballot as you, you know, like talking through that with people. Like I've noticed that right now, you know, as Georgia goes through our primaries that we're experiencing right now, being able to talk with people and converse with people are reminded about how it's like, it's also like uh, something where help is really appreciated or community involvement is really appreciated. And so it's great having, you know, people like you, Fair Count, helping with that work, you know. Absolutely. You know, speaking about that time, going back to March, 2021, when Kemp signed SB 202 into law, Bill and I, we made a sketch uh, addressing some of the topics uh, going on at that time and the different feelings within Georgia as well as nationally. So just to kind of take it back to that time, uh, we'll play some audio from that sketch. I'm done with you, the state of Georgia. All right, I'm done. Uh-uh. You hold on, Blue America. What do you mean? These voter suppression laws, okay? It's Jim Crow 2.0 and I can't handle it. Kemp signed that into law. He's trying to break us up. Look, we had a good run, okay? But I want a boycott. I'm taking the car, the MLB All-Star game, that Will Smith movie. Interesting. Because when I gave you those votes for Biden, I was always on your mind. And when I delivered those Senate seats for Senate majority, you were ready to catch a midnight train just to be with me. But when I hit a rough patch, and I go to you for help, you're just ready to leave? Listen. I hate this law too, but don't leave. Stay and fight, okay? You're right. I know. I'm staying. I'm filming Black Panther 2 here. Wakanda forever. Peace up, A-Town down. Hey, what about Florida, y'all? Florida, go home. Get out of here. Get! (laughs) Go Gators! I think that really captured well Mark's brilliant writing right there about wh- how we were feeling in that time. And uh, Andrea Lang, shout out to an amazing local actor and friend. And Bill, I got to say, you played the state of Florida beautifully. You know, I uh, I, as, and I mean that sincerely. I mean that sincerely. Yeah. As a UGA alum, <laughs> there is a lot of, uh, and I have a lot of family in Florida, and some of my other thing, I love y'all. Um, but there's definitely been always a, a, a a, a little bit of rivalry there, especially <laughs> with UF folks. Um, Katie, happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So I thought that captured very well kind of a lot of what we're feeling. And, I, you know, I really loved, you know, the Black Panther 2 uh, was a big thing when, when they were like, hey, you know what, we're going to film that here in Georgia and staying here. And I hope that folks, as things continue to get crazy, 
realize that leaving is not the answer. Uh, being here is the answer. And, and I've heard from so many friends from around the nation of like, we're so proud of what y'all are doing in Georgia. And it does feel like all these, you know, years, 20 plus years that I've been voting in this state, um, it feels so cool to feel it, have it come to fruition with this, uh, this these last couple of elections. Yeah. Well, Bill, kind of bouncing off of what you said about you know, the rest of the country's relationship to watching what's going on in Georgia. Uh, Rebecca, a question that I have for you is like, you know, for people either locally in Georgia or nationally that are like, you know what, today I want to get involved in with, with what Fair Count is doing. What would you recommend they do? Absolutely. You can go to our website, faircount.org, read about everything we're doing. We have text banks. We have phone banks. If you want to come down to Georgia, um, you know, and go knock on some doors with us and just really help people get out the vote, we're a great place to do it. Awesome. And that's faircount.org, F-A-I-R-C-O-U-N-T dot org. Check it out, y'all. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. With amazing and crazy topics for picking to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right, and we're back, and so excited to have our guest, Rebecca, here. Uh, and Rebecca, you know, talking about all this amazing work you've been doing with Fair Account, um, you know, before when you were working with the Democratic Party, what got you into that? Like, what brought you into this line of work? What was that catalyst? 
Yeah, I there wasn't one defined moment. I definitely got a little politically active in high school and saw the power in that, I think. Mm. Um, and then I became a social worker. I went to school for social work. I actually was working at Women's Counseling Center. I worked with victims of domestic violence in Chicago. Had this one terrible case where a woman's partner actually tried to kill her partner, and the case got thrown out by the judge because he said there couldn't be same-sex uh, domestic violence. Oh my God. And I was, you know, this was the 90s, and I was like, how can this be? How can you be a judge? How is this the law? And so I sort of did this deep dive on how you go about to make change. I was in my early 20s and just— I don't know, kind of naive and ready to dig in for the fight. And it brought me down to Atlanta. Um, A woman I went to college with, her mom was a a lobbyist down here and represented a bunch of social justice clients. And I got on the phone with her and we hit it off. And she invited me to come down and and work with her for the 2002 legislative session. That's amazing. That's so cool. And also wild, that case. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just hearing that was was wild. I can see how that would change your perspective mm-hmm. and i didn't i didn't know that that was i mean you know back in the 90s which sounds weird to say back in the 90s <laughs> what <laughs> what but yes we're know, old now yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would you say today that i mean i would assume that case would be very different today yeah i think it would be absolutely different today you know that was in the suburbs of chicago it was sort of a Everything had gotten minimized from the time the police got there all the way till it actually got to the court too so it mm-hmm. wasn't like some you know, big deciding factor when I got to the judge. But I do think it would be handled differently. Um, but I wouldn't say that it would still necessarily be handled great. We still have a lot of work to to do in those arenas. Yeah, I think one of the things, and this is getting slightly off topic, with the, the potential of Roe v. Wade to be overturned, yeah. and then you have the, uh, uh, I'm going to mess up the name, o- o- Obergefell, mm-hmm. um, is that some of those rights that were there, I wonder if that's going to, I mean, obviously it would take us back in time. And it's just another highlight of why voting is so important. And, you know, one of the most important things is getting those justices on the court, getting those judges on the court that we need on the court. We are in such a perilous time with that. I mean, I think reproductive rights and reproductive justice are just intrinsically tied to voting rights. We're going to have other cases that are going to come up that are going to challenge what's left of the Voting Rights Act, specifically Section 2. And we could be in for a couple of years of really bad decisions. Um, and it's really going to take a lot of organizing to get us through them. Well, tell us more about that. You know, so what Fair Count does with that organizing, what Vote 365 does, um, you know, as, as a jumping off point, uh, yeah, how should, what should we do to help attack that problem? I think the first thing is just kind of like realizing the time and place we're living in, like we're in the thick of it. It's happening right now. You know, 50 years from now, people are going to be talking about what they were doing when. Like, it's it's real. And sadly, like with Roe, it looks like it's going down in, in a couple of different ways. And, um, you know, I think one thing we do at Fair Count, you know, we're— um, you know, we're democracy warriors. Like, we're we're grounded in the census. We deal with redistricting. We deal with voting because we see that people who are undercounted in the census are the same people who are targeted with voter suppression laws, who are the same people whose communities are torn apart in redistricting so they remain voiceless, um, you know, with the body politic. And so it's all interconnected. And then we see a lack of resources that come down to those communities. You know, I mean, it's it's just this perpetual cycle. It's it's systemic racism. It's uh, white supremacy. It's it's all of those things that are baked into our very systems. You know, it's not even just the people that are in charge. It's, it's like the systematic way we do it. And, you know, for better or for worse, one of the only ways that we can really change those systems 
is to actually overwhelm those systems with participation. And so it's sort of like a dichotomy. Why should I participate in this system? Why should I get counted in the census? Why should I cast my ballot? Nobody's ever done anything for me. Um, But unfortunately, it's really going to kind of take that in order to overwhelm that. So, you know, I have a lot of fears. Uh, The Roe news that came out a couple weeks ago, um, you know, it's devastating. Expected. Didn't expect it to feel as terrible as it did when it happened, you know. Um, I'm a mom. I think that the only thing that possibly made me more pro-choice, I used to represent Feminist Women's Health Center in Atlanta, which is an amazing place for years. Um, The only thing that made me pro-choice was having kids, you know. I mean, like, it's just so huge, like, what they're, you know, potentially going to do. Um, When we worked on redistricting together, you know, we talked a lot about the Voting Rights Act and the decimation that happened I'm in Shelby versus Holder with Section 5, which, you know, is all like kind of nerdy and it sounds sort of like, you know, um, deep in the weeds. But basically what that said was there are a bunch of states in the United States that have a history of real discrimination, particularly against um, communities of color. And so they devised this system called preclearance that basically said, if you're going to change the way voting happens in your state, run it by the Department of Justice first, and they're going to find out if you're doing it because you're racist or not, right? Because there's this history of poll taxes, literacy tests, and other things. So Section 5 got rid of that, and no longer do people have to, you know, pre-clear their decisions. They can shut precincts anywhere they want. They can do SB 202 and change the way elections happen without having to first find out if they're being racist or not. So then that only leaves you with the ability to then sue after the harm has been done. Well, that's where Section 2 is, right? Section 2 allows specifically um, outlaws racial gerrymandering and, and gives people the opportunity to sort of sue when they've been harmed based on discrimination. And there's a real chance Section 2 is going to be decimated as well. So that's going to leave a lot of people without any recourse if they're harmed from just trying to participate in our own democracy. So we have a lot at stake in the coming years. Um, And when the Supreme Court is sort of like the law of the land and the ones that are making this decision, then the only thing that we have really to stand up against that is people power and organizing power and the ability to start on the very local level and making sure that, like, communities aren't cut out from those decision makers, that policymakers are actually listening to individuals, um, you know, because there's a lot that Congress and, the you know, the Senate could do, um, you know, to safeguard some of these issues that are overwhelmingly approved by the American people. Um, But we're just not there. It's tough because of that overwhelming approval and because of kind of um, the minority rule that's happened in in the Senate and and the things like the way that it's represented. And so what you're saying is overwhelming the system is staying active, staying involved, staying like so awesome to have you on Rebecca because yeah. every time I we get a chance to talk to you about this stuff it's so eye-opening um and you're so good at explaining it in a way where I feel like I, I'm not an idiot and I can understand it um, <laughs> well speaking of you know being involved can you tell us more about vote 365 and just like what that does and what that organization is about yeah vote 365 was really nothing like the name was just our clever way of trying to draw attention that you can't organize for an election three months before it and expect to see systemic change or expect to see an equitable electorate Mm -hmm. like real organizing specifically in communities that have been historically marginalized and disenfranchised takes a really long time you know it takes time building up trust it takes time building up power Um, And so we named it Vote 365 really just to try and be clever to get people to realize, like, 
we're going to start on November 8th, 2021. We're opening offices then. We're expanding our organizing team, and we're going out into the community, and we're having just real conversations about voting. So we have a bunch of different programs that we incorporate. Um, we have one program, sort of our anchor program, called Black Men Count. And I love that program. It, it goes in a whole bunch of different directions. We have an offshoot called Black Men Speak. We'll have events, you know, in like Homerville and Pulaski County, like rural areas where a lot of times people don't go and talk, you know, get men together and talk. Reggie leads it, you know, why do you vote? Why don't you vote? What what would bring you to voting? What do you think that means? What could that power look like? Um, we just did a basketball tournament in America's Georgia. We had 80 participants, and we all did a little class on civics before, you know, they got out there on the court and were um, hooping for democracy, as we said. <laughs> so, um, awesome. I don't know. We just, we have fun with it, and we try and meet people um, where they're at, you know? Like, we don't open a bunch of offices, come to us to get your yard sign or to learn. We try to go into the community and, like, build that power. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that makes Fair Count really different is that we only hire people who live in communities where we work. Mm-hmm. So we don't hire a bunch of young college kids in Atlanta and then shoot them down to South Georgia and expect them to understand or for South Georgia to feel heard. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our organizers range from 25 to 73, I think. Um, And they, you know, are lived and embedded in communities. And everyone has, like, a real stake in the work we're doing. That's amazing. And such good, you know, all of that makes so much sense. And it's so practical and pragmatic. And you know, when you're talking to people like at this tournament or, or when you're hearing the why do people not vote or it, it, what do you hear? What what are the things yeah. that you hear that yeah. you're able to maybe address? Yeah, I think the two things we hear the most is access. Mm-hmm. You know, voting is still set up for a lot of people to participate on that Tuesday, you know, between seven to seven or for te- perhaps from nine to five. Um you know, and people don't work or live in those areas, especially when you go down to rural Georgia. So Georgia has 159 counties, 159 different boards of elections who all run things differently. That's why national voting rights uh, legislation, great example why that could be useful, because it would make it uniform across all the states and the counties. But, um, you know, some of these rural counties, like uh, Screven, for instance, if you only have one early vote location in Screven, it could take some people 45 minutes to drive just one way on some of these, you know, um, country roads to get to the to the early vote location. And it's it it's not convenient. It's not easy. Um, it's not often set up in places where people aren't heard. You know, like they're you're more likely to have maybe an early vote location in the county seat in some of these rural areas, maybe not out in places where communities have been shut out for a really long time. There's not a lot of education that goes on, especially in rural areas. Here in Atlanta, we see a million TV ads, right? Right. But there's like nine media markets in Georgia, and people don't buy in all of them. They don't buy in Jacksonville or Little Seminole County, which is the only county that's in the Dothan, Alabama market. You know, they never get any of that. Mm. Mail firms, you usually cull the last uh, portions of your direct mail because postage gets too expensive to send to rural areas. So they're not getting those mailers in their mailboxes. You know, texts, maybe, but there's all these rules on text messages now, and a lot of people still have landlines. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of different ways— that we don't reach all people. There's still counties in Georgia that don't have working broadband, mm-hmm. you know? So we just got to do a better job, I think. And that's what we're trying to do at Fair Count of really digging in. Um, we focus all of our efforts on something called the vote share gap, which, again, just to, like, nerd out for a second, yeah, but it's it's my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> we're really data-driven. 
And, you know, Georgia is like new sexy on the scene, right? I've been doing this work in Georgia for a long time. In 2010, people were not paying attention to the races in Georgia like they have been since like, you know, 2018 on. Um, And when resources would come to the state, they would come three or four months before an election. And they would primarily be focused in Atlanta. And it made sense. When you're trying to stretch a dollar— You know, you can either knock on three doors in rural Georgia that are four miles apart, or you can go knock on that apartment complex in Atlanta, and you can hit a whole bunch more people. So the problem is is that we just don't have the same sort of civic infrastructure in those other places, and you can see it in the data. So we look at things called vote share gaps. So we look at the number of registered voters in a county, let's say Pulaski. I love Pulaski as an example. I don't know why. <laughs> um, South, South Georgia. Yes. It's a yeah. Name. Yeah. And they, yeah. they do digging for glow-in-the-dark worms in Pulaski. Oh, Just throwing cool. it up. You should, you should Google it. Um, oh, we got to do a deep dive about that. We got to go to Pulaski. I have not done it. It's in Hawkinsville, which is the county uh, seat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, good times. But um, – So let's say in Pulaski, 30% of all registered voters are black voters. Well, then you would assume that of all the votes that are cast in Pulaski for both local, statewide, and and national elections, all three, um, about 30% of the votes that are cast in Pulaski should be from black voters. But that's not what we see. Mm. We see a vote share gap in black, Latinx, Native voters, API voters in the the metro Atlanta area, but we only work in in the rural areas. And so you see these persistent vote share gaps, which means white voters will have a greater say in what's happening in those local races and in those counties hmm. than communities of color. And you see it happen time and time again. So we sort of feel like our job is to mitigate and eradicate those vote share gaps because when we do, we'll actually achieve an equitable electorate. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't get it confused. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. All right. So, Rebecca, we wanted to start this segment with, you know, kind of asking you some sillier questions, at least to start. You know, we've gotten some great information from you, but also I feel like, you know, we can learn from asking all kinds of questions. So so that's why we wanted to ask like some sillier ones. So this first question, pretty excited about it. I don't want to build it up too much, but it's too late. I already have. Uh, this um, might be the greatest question yeah. of all time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest with myself, it is. Uh, so <laughs> if if you could be a cartoon character, mm. uh, which one would you be? And I guess I'll also add why. Is there a reason behind that? You know? Muppet Baby Gonzo. Muppet Baby, Baby Gonzo. Gonzo. Okay. Wow. I have a couple of follow-up questions about this. <laughs> all right. Okay. A couple. A couple so... Uh, I love Gonzo as a character. So I have a quick thing to say about Gonzo. So when I was in, in college, uh, studying film, and so some alumni from the college that worked on uh, Muppet Treasure Island came to like the class to kind of talk to us. And they were giving out free Muppet t-shirts if you could answer certain trivia questions. And so one of the trivia questions they asked is like, in the Muppet movie, when Kermit, Fozzie, they pick up Gonzo on the side of the road, where is he originally trying to go? And the answer is Bombay, India. I knew that. I got him up a T-shirt. Bill, you saw me wearing it yesterday. It was all ripped up. I'm never going to stop wearing that shirt. <laughs> anyway, anyway lot, I realized that's a tangent. But the reason I ask is Muppet Babies, very different in tone from the Muppet Show, other iterations of the Muppets. And I was yeah. wondering, like, what is it about the Muppet Babies version of Gonzo that you're like, that's that's someone that I enjoy? Only because the only Gonzo isn't, the other Gonzo isn't animated. I love the Muppets and y'all got me with Cookie Monster but I'm legit like a very big Muppets fan oh my gosh I love the Muppets too I I like them so much I love the chaos Um, I love them breaking the fourth wall Mm -hmm. what what are are some things that draw you to them like what is it about them well I've never thought about Gonzo Muppet Baby in Mm -hmm. that way before Mm -hmm. but I have a young son so he watches the Muppet Baby version and so it could be cool to be him before he gets blown out of a a cannon that's right Um, (laughs) and I do love his love for chickens and he's just kind of bizarre and fun you know I'm probably more of a Kermit but I want to be the gun yeah yeah Yeah, Kermit for sure that also makes a lot of sense too just trying to I just imagine Kermit in the Muppet Show just trying to hold everything together. That's that's my image of Kermit is him backstage picking up all those phones, trying to figure out how this Muppet Show is going to work week to week. <laughs> I, I, I really that resonates really strong. Yeah. Well, what about your? This is another silly question about um, what is your favorite terrible movie or bad TV show? A guilty pleasure that you have? Oh gosh, so many. I did just really enjoy by myself. Is it cake? Um, (laughs) I I didn't even watch it with my kids. (laughs) You know, my favorite movie, it's not even a bad movie Mm because it's a cult classic, but I know the guy who starred in it thought it was a bad movie, but it's my all-time favorite is Better Off Dead. Mm. Interesting. I haven't seen it. I got to check it out. Yeah, is that? John Cusack. John Cusack. Okay, yeah. His best. Okay, that now goes on to my list. And what was it about Better Off Dead that? 
Made you like it so much. I can say the whole movie from beginning to end. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I still quote it to this day. Is that like a rom-com? I know he was yeah. kind of a rom-com guy. His oh, girlfriend, okay. Beth, breaks up with him. And oh. so he, like, tries to kill himself all throughout the movie. But then he falls in love with the French exchange student. I love that. That's the great logline. <laughs> you know, I'm super curious because, Bill, I don't know if I've asked you what's your favorite guilty pleasure. Because you have – Bill. For those that don't know, Bill, you have excellent taste. So oh, it's just like man. Wow. so, and this so, and, 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 I, and, I, and I know I'm putting you on a pedestal, but I'm, but I, the reason I say that sure. is because I haven't. I know some great movies that you enjoy. I don't sure. know if I know like necessarily guilty pleasures. Of yours. You know, I that's a good question, and I think shout out to my dad had decent taste in movies, mm-hmm. and so growing up, I would watch. You know what I watch? You know, you get those VHS from McDonald's. For some reason, back in the yes, day, you could get them. Yes. I don't know. I couldn't have been part of a Happy Meal. I don't know what I the don't promotion know what it was, was. But yes, I do I used to that. watch the movie Ghost a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ghost was one that for some reason I just wore out. I thought it was so funny and interesting. Uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen is another one that is, I've always really enjoyed. Um you know, I don't know if those stand up to the <laughs> uh, The Last Starfighter, that's a, that's one. Uh, I would have to, I hate I hate trying to be like, what's the bad taste thing? <laughs> I loved the X-Files growing up. I loved the X-Men um, Wolverine or the, the X-Men cartoon. Yeah, that's a good one. Mark, you're putting me on the spot. I'm sorry, but no, I'm so, no, I was I just curious because I, I really wanted to know because I'm like, I haven't asked. Yeah, okay, yeah. you know what? There's a, there was a show. This is just making me think. It's yeah. called Strange Luck, and I haven't gotten back to watch it, but it got canceled after one season. And I remember as a kid <laughs> loving that show yeah. for whatever reason, yeah. and it was just kind of a like a like a crappy X-Files uh-huh. wannabe show. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if I went back and watched it, I can see, yeah, that's why it got canceled. <laughs> but I remember as a kid being heartbroken when Strange Luck got canceled. That's just, I gotta check out Strange Luck. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think I think for me, if I'm thinking about a guilty pleasure, I, I got a ton of them. I mean, like, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think if there's one right now that I'm going through, I don't know if you ever watched the shows on TV for a while back in the 90s, Lois and Clark. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, yeah, it's it's so fun. Uh, I, I It's very 90s and... Um, you know, I go back and I rewatch it. And it's very comforting. I don't think I watched it that much when it was originally out in the '90s, but I found it recently on streaming, and I've had a great time diving back into that. Awesome. And, and I and I and as I watch it, I'm like, I know I enjoy this. Like straight up, I, I would tell people about it, but I'm like, why do I enjoy? It? <laughs> that's what I don't know. That's what I don't know why. And so, if you haven't seen Lois and Clark, if you're not familiar with it, it's about it's it's a show about Superman, but rather than focusing on a lot of the superhero stuff, it's more so focused on his life as Clark Kent and his relationship with Lois Lane. And the Superman alter ego is honestly more of a side character that pops in and out. And so, it's like to me, I think it's like an interesting interpretation of Superman for that reason. So. <laughs> like you have good taste too. I mean, oh, yeah. have good taste. you have some silly taste, but oh, you're very, very self-aware of yeah. the silly taste. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that you sold that show makes me want to check it out. Oh, I mean, is a big hit back in the day. The, the pilot, pilot might be worth checking out. <laughs> yeah. Check out the pilot. You know. <laughs> well, I want to do a segment as long as we're being silly. Called this is one of our favorite things to do with a guest called "Make It Spooky." And so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to give you some headlines mm-hmm. that aren't necessarily very spooky uh, or intense. And we're going to see here in the studio at iHeart, <laughs> can Rebecca make these headlines sound like they're horror or spooky? Mm. So 
I have a couple right here. Let me put my glasses on. Oh, yeah. Do I get to change the words, or is it just with my voice? It's just with your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know what? After the first one, I'm gonna let. You, I'm gonna give you dealer's choice. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to change some stuff around, but it's... okay. Make it spooky. Yeah, here we go. Make it spooky. Inflation comes for the Big Mac. That's great. That was really That's good. Great. Mm, that, that just seemed was... a little dramatic. Not spooking. <laughs> I, just said I mean, so far, I, I mean, friends. I was just like, oh man, what's that mean? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do the next one and feel mm-hmm. free to have uh, have some fun with it. <laughs> the moment Disney fans have been waiting for: <gasps> character hugs return. <laughs> <laughs> Again, good. not good at this. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. That really good. I love the peaks and valleys. Of that. <laughs> that was, you know, <laughs> that was getting to the top of the roller coaster right, right, and just right. getting on. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to throw our other guests under the bus, but we've had a lot of people do this, and that was one of my favorite. Those are some of Absolutely. my favorite reads. These were great, and just the the range and the difference <laughs> of each read was awesome. You know? I'm gonna get a raise. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. You know, you're also a big fan of history, which was something that was really cool. We were talking about a little bit before we start recording, um, and uh, that you're. Uh, what was the, there was a podcast about presidents? Mm, yeah, I love that. Very presidential. Yeah, it sounded like a really cool thing. Um, and you know, do you have any favorite historical figures? Uh, oh gosh, so many. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really digging on just reading nonfiction a mm-hmm. lot. Um, and I've read a lot of civil rights nonfiction. Um, I think there's just so much to learn by looking back. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best books I've read is called um, Devil in the Grove. Mm-hmm. And it's a Third Guard Marshall story. And um, so, so much, I think, to, to uh, look in there. Um, I'm trying to think off the— off the top of my head, I'm 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 all distracted by my ghost. Um, <laughs> this may put you on the spot more, but I am kind of curious. Is there sort of like a more obscure, uh, let's say, a more obscure figure from history that you have found really interesting that maybe doesn't get as much uh, mm. praise or shine as they should? You know, I'm not going to remember their names, mm-hmm. um, but it's, again, it's another book that I read that I just thought was absolutely fascinating. It was called "The Badass Librarians of Timbuktu." And it was about these librarians that um, are in a, like, war-torn place and are saving art and Mm. are saving books. And I think maybe those are some of my favorite ones. I read another book called Born Survivors of, of, you know, women who just lived through just extraordinary times. Um, When we get a deep dive of, like, a real person who does extraordinary things, Mm -hmm. um, I think those might be even more my favorite. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. Yeah. you know, it's interesting, ridiculous news. We have some pretty cool exclusives, you know. Uh, we have some pretty cool people that we know that are able to come through. Uh, and, Rebecca, you may not know this, but we're actually being visited by one of those badass librarians. Yes. <laughs> Did not yeah. know yeah. this. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty yes. cool. It's pretty cool. They're, they're here in studio with us. They've been kind of, like, keeping it low-key and things like that. But, you know, we figured we might talk to them for just a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Come on in. Come on in, y'all. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Knowledge, baby! What up, y'all? What up, y'all? Here, one of the badass librarians from Timbuktu. <laughs> we are saving our art. We are saving society. We are saving you. <laughs> hey, do you like Impressionism? Save. Hey, hey, <laughs> do, you like, do you like the third century? 
Save. Do you like historical dramas? Save. Hey, do you like different iterations of the Muppets, be it animated, <laughs> live action, or live and in person? Save. Yeah, that's right. Knowledge can come in many different forms, be it nonfiction, straight up entertainment, or a blend of the two. You can find it all at your local library. In Timbuktu. Saved. One thing we didn't say was the Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> right. We just want to shout out that that was... We want to shout that out. We miss it so much. We miss it. It was one of my favorite parts of every day going hey, in. Re- hey, listen, just real quick, though, uh, my, my partner, uh, B- Bailiff. Yeah. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh... You had a card catalog? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll call him Kari. Yeah, Car- Kari. Um, hey, is is it like just, is there any way where we could, is there any way we could save it? You know what? We can. Wait a second. Is that the Dewey Decimal System right there on the desk right now? That's it right here. We got I, it right I, here. I'm ready. Please help me. Help me, please. Dewey, Dewey, he's still alive. Oh, he's my gosh. Alive. All right. I got a defibrillator. You take right, one. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take <laughs> one. Right, okay. Three, Three, two, two one. one. Clear. <laughs> Directly related to Prince, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. right, yeah, in a, pre- in, a previous, <laughs> in a previous episode, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a callback, Bailey. Yeah. All right, well, we got more stuff to say. We should probably get get on the highway, otherwise we're gonna get stuck in traffic. Yeah, Rebecca, we're so uh, just honored that you're a fan of ours, and uh, we're gonna send you some uh, uh, really special books in the mail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Save. Save. Wow, that was that was something. Those guys were really intense. They were really intense. But I mean, I guess if you think about it, if you are tasked with saving all of human knowledge, I'd be intense too. Yeah, and I was saying in a good way. Like, yeah, I'm absolutely. glad that intensity, I think, was well-deserved mm-hmm. from what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, did that feel accurate to what <laughs> the book was? Completely. Okay, good. Awesome. Awesome. 100%. Good. I'm glad. We, so we got the right folks. As you mentioned, Rebecca, we're in intense times with voting and elections, and so it can get intense sometimes. And so do you have any advice for staying engaged, for fighting burnout or, mm. you know, feeling overwhelmed at times? Is there anything that's worked in your career that's been helpful? Yeah, it feels super overwhelming all the time. At Fair Count, mm-hmm. we actually do this thing on Tuesdays called Take Care Tuesdays where we don't start work till 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And then we have to, like, take care of ourselves and share with one another what we did. It sounds kind of, like, wonky, but it's really important to be intentional, I think, about that. Mm. Um, You know, when the pandemic hit and we had census, the general election, the runoff election, I was teaching first grade, you know, virtually and had a two-year-old. It was really hard not to be burned out and not to be depressed. And I discovered walking. Um, I walk an insane amount of miles every week. And in fact, a month I'm leaving for Slovenia to hike through the Alps. So I know that that's probably not like something, you know, what to do to take care of yourself, go to the Alps. But like, (laughs) you know, it's been nice to have like a personal goal and Mm -hmm. and to like really get into that shape and and move towards something that I've never done before. And then to leave my kids for 11 nights and go sleep in a tent by myself. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And, um... Have you been to the Alps? No, oh. I'm not. Uh, when I think about the most prettiest moments of my life, it was when I was on the train going to Interlaken, uh, Switzerland. And it's still, it's like burned into my brain from when I was in college. You're going to have such an amazing time. Um, I'm excited to hear about it. Um, well, Rebecca, do you have a, a favorite quote or saying that you like to uh, live by? And I will introduce this segment as the spring 
of inspiring inspirations. (laughs) One of our favorite segments here at the end of the show. Lots from the Muppets. Lots from my founder. Um, But you know, my quote, actually my high school yearbook when I was a senior in high school, was from the liner notes of an REM album, which is pretty Georgia. Um, And it said, as Jefferson is wont to say, a little bit of uh uh-huh and a whole lot of oh yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Nice. That's great. I love that quote. Nice. Shout out to Athens, Georgia and REM. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Rebecca, is there any, like... We, we talked about faircount.org. Any other places you would like to plug or places people can find out? Your local about? polling place. <laughs> Go out and vote. Have fun. Don't let any of this voter suppression garbage scare you. There's plenty of people out there that are ready to help you if you have a problem. Like, go out, vote, make that voice heard, and be a part of this movement. It's the easiest way you can actually be a legit part of this movement. And thank you all so much for tuning in to Ridiculous News. Go out, vote. We know you have a lot of choices in terms of uh, podcasts out there, and we appreciate you so much for spending your time with us. Uh, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And you can also stay in touch with us as well. So you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. You can follow us uh, at Ridiculous News on Facebook and, and IG. And be sure to check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy on IG, TikTok, and Facebook, or at Kendall Comedy on Twitter. Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. For being here. Thank you. Uh, Everybody at home, go vote. Yeah. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.